Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 119. How's it going? Happy belated 4th of July. It is day 853 of Dat Pandemic Lifestyle. Uh, yeah, I'm going to New York this week. I'm going to drive <laughs> because flying is shitty in a million different ways. Uh, the planes are delayed. Nobody's masked. I have a neighbor who caught COVID on a plane recently and she was wearing an N95 mask. Uh, I know a few people that have caught COVID on planes recently. She knows for sure because she was going to Turks and Caicos and the plane was the only time she was indoors with the people the whole trip. <laughs> so that's awesome. So yeah, I'm going to drive. My friend Jenna is coming from Europe and she's having a book party and I'm going to see her the night before. And I'm going to stay outside and I'm going to be very careful and I'm not going to fly and I'm going to come home and I'm going to do my best to not get COVID because I don't want to get COVID and I've made it this far and it would be really dumb to uh, fail at this point. Um, You know, if it wasn't my fault, that'd be one thing. If I got it from like going to the grocery store in a mask here, okay, well, you know, I can't avoid that. But, you know, if I got it on a New York trip, I would feel pretty dumb. But it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Nine hour drive each way by myself, not taking my wife, not taking my kids. So, you know, unlike last time, at least if I get COVID, uh, it won't be this nightmare logistical situation to get home because I'll be in a car for all day by myself. And then I can just throw the air mattress down here into my studio office and I'll just live in this room with its separate HVAC (laughs) for God knows how long. It would suck. And the, the child care would suck, but uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be very careful. You just watch. We had a good 4th of July. We went to a pool party. Our neighbors got a, built a pool. It's pretty fascinating, actually. My neighbor, he's, he's a iOS engineer by day, but he is an engineer, and he's like, it's all engineering. It's just the same. And so, you know, he got his contractor's license and he did his own GCing and he worked with all the different vendors and, and, you know, specialist contractors and the permitting process with the city or the county. We don't have a city and he did it all. And it's really pretty amazing. And aside from like, you know, supply chain shit with COVID and whatnot, he did, it did it all. Great job. And so, yes, uh, yeah, sorry. I gotta turn off my phone here. Anyway, and it's a lovely pool and it's like 11 feet deep. It's crazy. And uh, it's got a little kitty area and it's got a hot tub and it was super fun. And I met some interesting people that just moved here from Poland. And the husband was a photographer and he was from a town in Poland that my grandmother is from, that her mom was born in. So that was kind of interesting. And I just all around good time. That was on Saturday, not, not the. Not the fourth. Mm, sorry, very sniffly. Um, but yeah, it looks like uh, I'm doing these web chat and reports every other week. And for the last two weeks, it's they've fallen on two-day weekends when there have been three-day weekends or four-day weekends on either side of them. So it's been a bit of a rush. I uh, 
you know, got to do all my gardening every weekend. I got to do my gardening video and then I got to do the podcast on three day weekends. It's no problem. I can get all that done. But on these two day weekends, it's very, very packed and stressful, but I, I, it looks like I got it all done. I did a bunch of gardening yesterday. Um, it's going really well. My tomatoes are killing it. My cucumbers are killing it. The fucking squirrels ate all my corn. I grew perfect giant corn stalks and they were beautiful and it was amazing. And the like four days before I was going to pick them, the squirrels ate them and I'm so pissed and I'm not sure. I guess I'll just cover them in, in row crop this time. At least now I know like how at what point the squirrels will attack them when the corn gets ripe they don't attack the stalks they just want the corn so i'll cover them in row cover uh right before at the end somehow i'll figure it out but i'm gonna try again in the fall fall planting date for corn here is july 24th so i will do that then uh it's been so hot so hot like in the 90s, mid 90s, real feel 104, 105, 106. It's been intense. Um, I sort of got, I got heat stroke gardening yesterday. I was doing a bunch of like loading loads of dirt in the wheelbarrow and wheeling them over to planters and loading it into planters. And I was just so, I don't know what's going on up there. I apologize. I, I really wanted to do this podcast in the morning when everybody was asleep, but I couldn't because I had to do the edit on the video. So anyway, uh, yeah. It's been crazy, but it is finally raining now, so hopefully things are cooling off a little bit, and we really needed it. It's it's always very humid here, and it's always very moist, so it's not like California. We don't have drought conditions ever here, <laughs> but it was it was time for some rain just to get the heat to crack. Man, it's been oppressive, oppressive summer heat, let me tell you. Oh, what else is going on? My health is good. The diet's going okay. I mean, I'm still on it. I'm still on the Wigovi. I'm losing very, very slow weight. I've lost five pounds since I got back from Boston, which is pretty good. I'm really trying to crack the next sort of threshold, and I've been stuck for like three weeks at the same weight, and it's very frustrating, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Still haven't had any nicotine. That's very exciting. Okay, well, I had one lozenge. I'm not going to lie. I drank, and I had a lozenge on july 3rd at the pool party it was awesome but by and large not having any nicotine so that is very good um yeah feeling good feeling good jane is good she got vaccinated finally yay first dose only she was a trooper she handled it really well after saying she wasn't going to and then she was very proud of herself she's learned to say she's proud of herself when she does things now and she says she wants to be proud of herself it's so cute Oh, she's so cute. She's been sick a lot. She was sick before the uh, vaccine. Um, our theory is she drank some pool water. <laughs> she puked the next morning and then she had diarrhea the next day. So, uh, you know, I think she probably drank some pool water. <laughs> we tried to tell her to not do that. Uh, and then we got her vaccinated and then she had a fever day. And it, that was rough. I, you know, in the morning I woke her up and she was just cranky and she wouldn't do breakfast. She wouldn't do anything. And it kind of forced us through breakfast just through sheer willpower and after that i was like all right let's go back upstairs to the playroom and we went up to the playroom and i sat on the couch and i just put a pillow next to me and i patted there and she just came over and she curled up put her head on my lap and then like covered herself up with a blanket and i turned on the tv and i put on these youtube videos called cardboard world that's just like this cute asian woman who makes little dioramas out of cardboard they're so cute 
uh, and she loves it. And it was just like, she had never done that before. And she just looked like a sick kid and it was fascinating. Like I've never, you know, it was, it's like instinctual to just curl up on the couch and snuggle and watch bad TV when you're sick. Cause she, she just knew to do it. <laughs> It was pretty cute. And so I just sat there with her, but then I had a work call and I had to get up and, oh, broke my heart. Broke my heart. A lot of work calls lately. Been very busy at work. A lot of little fires to put out. One day, like four things went wrong and each one of them were like, okay, if this was the only problem today, it'd be fine. We could fix it. It's not a big deal. But like, they just pile up and you're like, oh my God, I got to deal with all of these. And you just have to think about what you need to do and like, oh. That's rough when it, like just a lot of things go wrong at once, and you, you know it shakes your foundation a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, what are we doing wrong?" But you're like, "You're not doing anything wrong, man. It's just little things. You can get through these, but you feel like you can't, and it's rough." So that's how last week went for work. It ended fine, though. Thankfully, on Friday was a good day, so you know by the end of the week, I was like, "Okay, okay, I can get through this." But whew, hard work week. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that's what's going on here in Chatham County. Emma's good. Uh, garden's good. I've been, you know, working a lot, uh, doing my daily email, which is a good time, very rewarding. I, I like that a lot. I have no desire to write another book while I'm working. I really do have a desire to write other books, but not while I have a job. So not this year. But yeah, I, you know. Pretty good, pretty good. I'm, I'm in a pretty good mood today. A little hungover. I had a sweet gin and tonic last night. <laughs> I hadn't had a gin and tonic in like two years, three years. They're awesome. They're delicious. Let's do some media. I've added a bunch of stuff to Plex lately. Uh, I added the Wide Sargasso Sea, which is sort of a sexy times B-movie from the 90s that suddenly everybody else had on their Plex, which indicated to me that an HD version was out. I had it before in 720p, but I, or I, I think it was even like 480. I could, it was very hard to find, but now it's easy to find. So now there's a 1080p copy up there. Um, got a documentary called Recorder, the Marion Stokes Project, which I heard about from my friend John O'Leary, who lives in Rhode Island. And it sounds really interesting. It's about this woman that just recorded television hundreds of hours continuously for years and years and years, thousands of hours. Uh, so that sounds pretty fascinating. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it soon. I got a documentary about uh, Peter Gation and the Limelight called Limelight that his daughter, Jennifer Gation, made. And uh, it's very, very interesting. I've been very obsessed with Peter Gation of late. We will talk more about him later because I also read his autobiography this last week. Uh, I got Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness up there, and I got Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, which I pirated, and then I got caught. And they sent me one of those letters because I don't use a VPN because I never really pirate because I usually just buy things and rip them or I get them from Netflix, uh, DVD.com, and rip them. But this one I pirated because I don't want to give any money to J.K. Rowling because she's a turf, and I read everything she wrote about trans people, and it is all awful, and it made me very angry, and I never want to give her another dime, but I am still kind of somewhat interested in the franchise. We talked about this last week when I watched it, and it's pretty good, but I'm still mad at her. And I'm not going to give her any money. Uh, I put the Northman up there in 4K because I bought the Blu-ray. It's awesome. Uh, I put everything everywhere all at once up there in 4K with all the extras. Same with the Northman because 
I bought the Blu-ray and it's awesome. I put True Romance up there. Actually, I haven't finished that one yet. I'll finish it today in 4K with all the extras because I bought it and it is awesome. I put The Virgin Suicides up there in 4K with all the extras because I bought it and it is awesome. Uh, and I put Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse up there in 1080p because I rented it from Netflix. Um, I sold mm, maybe 20 of these DVDs that I used, that I had bought and ripped. I uh, sold them all on eBay and I probably made like 200 bucks and they all sold all really fast. I did that last weekend, a weekend before. I just listed them all and by two days later they had all sold and then, they, they, you know, I list them for buy it now, pretty cheap. I used to, they still have the digital download codes valid because I don't use the digital download codes. I ripped these things. So that was cool, you know, like 200 bucks spending money, um, walking around money. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it. I really want to rewatch The Virgin Suicides. I'm very excited about that. And I really, I've, I've rewatched True Romance a lot. There's this one time I was in New York at Vig Bar in the basement on a weeknight. And it was empty except for me and these two women I was with. And they're just great friends of mine and they're awesome. And they both had never, and they were projecting True Romance on the wall in the basement dance floor where we were sitting. And they didn't have the sound on, and neither one of them had seen the movie. And I just sat there and narrated the whole movie to them for two hours. I mean, while we would talk about other stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, this is the part where the MO was. So he's really angry because of this, and he's got the coke, and blah, blah, blah. And like, <laughs> it was like one of the best nights of my life. I was just thinking about those girls. They were so great. Um, anyway, uh, the other thing I noticed about all that this week is that for the first time, Several of these 4K Blu-rays had their Blu-ray extras in 4K, which I've never seen before. Usually you get the 4K, you get, you know, when you buy a 4K Blu-ray, it comes with two discs. One disc has the movie in 4K, and the other disc has the movie in 1080p and all the extras. But um, everything everywhere all at once and the Northman both had their extras in 1080p and they're on the, are in 4K and they're on the 4K disc which is pretty cool. That's like new. I'm very excited about that. And then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse comes with a completely alternate edit of the movie with a ton of different scenes. And some of it's just storyboarded. They didn't do full animation on it. It's called the like multiverse mode edit or something, but it's kind of amazing. I want to watch that too. I haven't watched that yet. I just ripped that before lunch, before I did this podcast. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of exciting movies up there. I'm excited. Uh, I sold some stuff on Discogs this week. I sold uh, the deluxe CD plus DVD edition of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, No More Shall We Part. I bought all these as they came out. It was probably about 2008, 2009. He reissued most of his albums on two disc sets, the album remastered on CD and then a DVD of all the videos and stuff. And I ripped all of it. I had sold most of them. I didn't realize I had any of them left, but I sold that one. And the guy that bought it also bought a D. Hote album called Sweat. D. Hote is like a German instrumental sort of garage band. They're pretty cool. And then they have a lot of guest vocalists. And on Sweat, Nick Cave is a guest vocalist on several tracks. My friend Annie and I were very obsessed with D. Hote back in the early 90s. <laughs> Never got to see him, though. Kind of bummed about that. Um, the Wedding Present. I sold the Wedding Present CD, the Peel Sessions, 1987 to 1990. It's great Peel Sessions because it's got all the stuff from Kennedy and Sea Monsters. Uh, three EPs by the Cranes, uh, early EPs, the first three EPs, Sparrow, Inescapable, and Tomorrow's Tears. Uh, those are all great. Maybe put me on a Cranes kick again. 
And then a hot chip 12 inch single uh, dark and stormy, which I accidentally bought twice. And so it's, oh, you know, I have like maybe 18 pieces of vinyl and discogs. They're all stuff I've accidentally bought twice through the years. So one of those sold. So that was nice. Did not go to any shows in the last two weeks. Sadly, uh, when talking to my wife about September, when Bauhaus and New Order and the Pet Shop Boys are on tour. Bauhaus is on tour and then New Order is on tour with the Pet Shop Boys. And I want to go to Boston for both of them. They're less uh, six days apart. But she doesn't want to do the trip because she's going to Atlanta for Dragon Con right before that. So I'll probably go to Boston for Bauhaus. And now we're talking about going to Meriwether Post Pavilion for one overnight to see New Order and Pet Shop Boys. Because I've seen all these bands, but New Order and Bauhaus especially aren't going to be touring forever. And so you got to go when you can. And I was going to skip this. I mean, I had tickets to this Bauhaus tour. It was originally scheduled 2020. It got canceled because of the pandemic, of course. Uh, so did the New Order and Pet Shop Boys. But, um, and then so I was like, I guess I just won't go. It's fine. But then the tour started on the West Coast. They did the first leg about a month ago on the West Coast. And everybody's like, it's fucking awesome. They're doing great. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, if because, you know, I really liked Bauhaus, the two tours I saw them. The last two reunion tours, I never saw them in the heyday, of course. They broke up when I was eight. <laughs> no, that's not true. Eleven. Um, anyway, they were great, but they were, you know. And then uh, I saw the Tones on Tail tour, and that was awesome. Pop Tones. And, uh, but I saw Peter Murphy. I've seen Peter Murphy a bunch, but the last couple times I'd seen Peter Murphy, he it was pretty bad. And so I was going to skip this tour until everybody said how great it was, so now I really want to go. So I think I'll go to Boston for it. I have tickets for that. And then I think we'll go to Meriwether Post Pavilion for New Order and Pet Shop Boys, which is pretty exciting, really. Um, and then Spiritualize is coming here, and my friend Nick is coming, and we're going to see them at Cat's Cradle. So that is very exciting. All this is in September, assuming COVID is okay. Actually, I'll go anyway. Pet Shop Boys, New Order, Meriwether Post is outdoors, so that's fine. Um, I think Cat's Cradle still has mask required policy so that'll be fine but anyway yes very exciting didn't get a lot of vinyl in the last two weeks i have been very responsible uh i got three records and only one of them that's not true yes only one of them i actually bought so i got the bright eyes album i'm wide awake it's morning as the vinyl me please selection of the month um so i guess technically maybe i bought that but it's a subscription thing so you know i didn't really choose it and then i bought this musical instrument called an orba off of kickstarter like a couple years ago it's really great it's a little round thing it makes a lot of interesting tones i like it a lot jana loves it and uh, apparently when i bought the kickstarter it came with a record that just shipped so i have an orba record now i don't know that just showed up yesterday i haven't even listened to that one don't know what it's about, but maybe it's a bunch of music made with the Orba. That'd be cool. Give me some inspirations. I like the thing. I used it on one song, but I haven't released that song yet. Uh, and then I got the new Hercules and Love Affair album in Amber, which I talked about extensively when I listened to it. It's a great record. A lot of Anohi is on it. And the main guy in Hercules and Love Affair sings for the first time on his records. And I really like it. It's dark. It's brooding. It's cool, man. It's cool. And then albums I listen to. Calexico's new album, El Miriador. I like Calexico, okay, and Friends of Dean Martinez and Giant Sand, that whole sort of Southwest desert rock. I'm more of a Giant Sand fan than the other ones, but uh, Calexico did a KEXP session and it looked really good, so I listened to the album and it was awesome. Um, still more, there's still a lot of like, you know, Mexican Calexico style music on there, but there's a lot of like kind of droney desert rock too, which I really enjoyed. 
Ellis Regina, Ellis, um, this was recommended to me by my friend Mia because we're both really obsessed with Cold War, the film and its soundtrack. And she said this was kind of Cold War ish and it is. So it's sort of like jazz, uh, 20s torch song orchestral jazz style. And I really, really liked it. There's a new Who Made Who album, uh, U, 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 the letter U four times. Who Made Who is like kind of a droney dance electronica thing, kind of like if you took uh, LCD sound system and took away all the lyrics and the guitars, <laughs> just had like drums and keyboards. I really have liked them for a long time. I saw them at Emo's at South by one year. They were fucking awesome. <laughs> Very into, That was a great day. That was the best day I ever had at Emo's. I saw Who Made Who, and then like an hour later, I saw Retribution Gospel Choir, Alan Sparhawk's band from, you know, from Lowe, his other band. So good. What a good day at Emos. I love Emos. I miss it so much. R.I.P. Emos. Uh, Polisa, Madness. That was a great record. Really, really good. I have always listened to that band, sort of, but I never remember what they sound like or if they're any good. But um, yeah, Madness is an awesome record. Strong recommend. Um, okay. Yeah. So we got here Kekht Arak. K E K H T A R A K H. New signing to what record label sacred bones and it is lo-fi ukrainian death metal and it's awesome the album is called pale swordsman and it's very much like sounds like sort of centrado era sebado like four track demo recording style of death metal which really works really well and i had never really heard before because you know death metal is like usually pretty like highly produced but this is like sounds like it's recorded on cassette and i loved it it was a good time Oh, what else we got? Part time spell number six. Very nation of languagey, uh, mellow, dancey. I really liked it a lot. A little bit of shoegaziness to it. Um, it's just an EP. I don't know anything about them. Um, I looked them up. They might be on Deus Records. I might be imagining that. Joan Shelley's new album, uh, The Spur. Very, very good. Mellow acoustic singer songwriter lady. Really, really liked it. I've always liked her records. So strong recommend on The Spur. No, no boy, 1975. This guy is cool. He is Vietnamese. I learned about him on KEXP. He went to Harvard or Yale or something, and he's, his album is very, very literate, and it is uh, sort of like the like autobiographical about Vietnamese immigrants, refugees from the Vietnam War, and their kids, and uh, but it's very done in a very well constructed poppy sort of way uh and i really liked it it was really good uh blut aus nord disharmonium undreamable abyss it was a drony black metal album don't remember why i listened to it i loved it <laughs> uh white ward false light that uh, was also a metal album a little bit jazzy a couple of hilarious chanting songs i think what happened was i made a metal playlist for one of my daily emails and then i looked at the bottom and spotify recommends similar songs and it recommended those two bands and i was like all right we're gonna check them out so i don't know anything about blut aus nord or white ward but they're both awesome false light and further joy oh, wait no that's not disharmonium undreamable abyss what a great name for an album undreamable abysses and false light uh, and then i listened to the regrets 
which is an LA punk band, but they have gone total pop, and I really like it. The album is called Further Joy, and it is great. It's not punk at all. It sounds kind of like uh, Muna or something like that. It was cool. Very good album. Very well made. It's not well-constructed pop songs. Very solid job. Uh, the new Brian Jones Down Massacre record, Fire Doesn't Grow on Trees. Great title. Sounds like the last couple Brian Jones Down Massacre albums. Very, very well-made sort of kraut rock, drone rock, with a heavy influence from Popol The and Can, which I really like this phase of the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Um, yeah, pretty solid. Listen to the Regina Specter album, Home Before and After, which I enjoyed very much. Uh, less quirky than previous Regina Specter albums. More straight ahead in its melodic, mellow song craft if you will but i really enjoyed it there's a new medicine album the la based guitar noise band fronted by brad laner uh that i was really obsessed with in the 90s they make an appearance as the house band in the movie the crow doing a song with elizabeth fraser called time baby three I saw the first medicine show in boston and their first album shot forth self-living and it was so good oh my god anyway they regrouped a few years back uh, they did a reunion tour. Uh, I can tell you exactly what it was because they played the night before my wedding at the Music Hall of Williamsburg, and I left my own rehearsal dinner to sneak over to the Music Hall of Williamsburg to see Medicine. <laughs> and I tweeted at him, and I was like, stay another night and play the wedding. <laughs> um, anyway, the new album is called Drugs, and it was good. It wasn't as good as the last one, but it's still really solid. Uh, I listened to Timbuk3. <laughs> Greetings from Timbuk3. Timbuk3, of course, is the band that does... Uh, sunglasses future so bright i gotta wear my shades study nuclear science love my classes i got a crazy teacher who wears dark glasses things are going great but they're only getting better uh i don't know why i listened to that whole album but i did and there's a really great song about cats on it that made me very happy and so you know that happened um i've been thinking a lot about eric bachman who was in the Archers of Loaf and then started a band called Crooked Fingers. And then he does a bunch of solo stuff and I really love his solo stuff. And it's been five years since his last solo album. So I texted my friend Miranda who was in Crooked Fingers and I was like, why hasn't Eric Bachman made a solo album lately? And she's like, well, he had a kid, his wife's a nurse. And I'm like, oh, okay. So no, <laughs> that dude's probably been busy over the last few years. Um, but uh, there was a, duo album of his eric bachman and john roundhouse i don't know who that is but they made an album self-titled eric bachman and john roundhouse uh, and it was instrumental in its guitar and it's really good i just had never heard it so at least it scratched that eric bachman itch um but yeah i really want a new eric bachman solo album, man oh, i'm feeling it carly paradise nothing is something uh nick cave the bad seeds posted a 20 minute sample of their live performance last week at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Yeah, it's the first three songs, maybe four, Get Ready for Love, and There She Goes, My Beautiful World, which is amazing and one of my favorite Nick Cave songs. Later in the set, I learned they do City of Refuge, which is on Tender Prey, which is ancient, ancient Nick Cave solos, or Nick Cave and the Bad Seat song that I love so much. I was on a road trip with my sister and Mike Anderson in 1994, and we were driving through the desert into las vegas in the middle of the night and that song came on and we went over this hill and it crescendoed 
And you know, it's like, you better run, you better run, you better run to the city of refuge, you better run. Anyway, it just repeats that like a mantra through the whole song and it gets bigger and bigger and it comes with this big crescendo and it hit that right as we went over this hill in the desert. It was all black and then just like as we went over the hill, the lights of Las Vegas were in front of us as the song hit as we were running to this city and it was so awesome and I like I've loved that song ever since and I've never seen him play it live and he's playing it on this tour in Europe. I doubt he'll keep that in the set when he comes back to America and I don't have tickets for any of his American shows. Anyway... But I want to see City of Refuge live so bad. Anyway, back on topic. There's a woman in the Bad Seeds now for the first time in like 30 years since Anita Lane was in the Bad Seeds. R.I.P. God rest her soul. Anita Lane was amazing. And uh, she's the first woman in ages. And I didn't know who she was. And my friend Conrad told me her name is Carly Paradis. And I looked her up and she has she's in a band called Ocean Ship. I haven't listened to them yet, but I did listen to her solo. Um, she also does a lot of scores, uh, soundtracks. Um but her uh, solo, nothing is something is really good. It's kind of goth, kind of orchestral, uh, very clever, like all very bad seeds, actually. So kind of a wise, excellent addition to the bad seeds, Nick. Carly Paradise, Paradis, Paradis, P-A-R-A-D-I-S. Uh, I listened to a Vic Chestnut album because I realized I've never heard any Vic Chestnut. I don't know anything about this guy and everybody loves him. So I listened to the album that something told me was the best called at the cut. And I really liked it, but there are like 25 Vic Chestnut albums and I can't really listen. To them. Well, maybe I'll do one of those things like I did with the sparks or something. I listened to all 25 Vic Chestnut albums, but I did really like this one. Singer songwriter stuff. Uh, the new Zola Jesus album, Arkhan, A-R-K-H-O-N. Very gothy. sounds like Zola Jesus. A little bit a lot. Um, Tempers, new album, new meaning. I really enjoyed that. That's a rock album. It was solid. Embryo, Opal. Oh yeah, this is weird. My friend Kellyanne and I are both obsessed with Opal and Kendra Smith, and uh, she sent me this album, and the album is called Opal. Opal. The band is called Embryo, but the cover of the album looks like the album cover to an Opal album by the band Opal. And so we're like, this is this came out beforehand, and and so. Kellyanne's like, this has to have been an influence on them. And I was like, God, yeah, this is too, too weird of a coincidence. So I listened to it and it's like, it's sort of seventies psych rock jazzy a little bit, a little bit droney. I, it was cool. I liked it. Um, but so I can kind of see how maybe Opal was influenced by them. You know, uh, Opal's definitely psyche and droney, but this was more jazzy than Opal is, but I don't know. It was interesting. It was interesting. I haven't looked them up or learned anything about them yet. Uh, Sleaford mods, spare ribs. Everybody goes on and on about how great the Sleaford mods were. I didn't know anything about them. So I went and learned about them. They seem pretty cool. I like that spoken word over, uh, instrumental electronic thing. Kind of make, I kind of want to make a record like that now. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I listened to it and I liked it, but I really feel like you need to sit down with a book of lyrics and read along because <laughs> he's hard to understand for me. Uh, there's a new metric album called Formentera, Formentera, F-O-R-M-E-N-T-E-R-A. It's pretty goth in places and it's pretty synthy in places. Uh, it's, you know, it's continuing what they've been doing the last few records. Um, I liked it. I've only given it one listen so far, so I got to listen to it some more. And I listened to the new Soccer Mommy album called Sometime Forever, which is also pretty solid. So those are all the new albums I listened to in the last two weeks. TV. Oh, I thought Obi-Wan Kenobi was done, and we already talked about that. I had a whole thing going on about Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I feel like I already told you my whole theory about Obi-Wan Kenobi and how they should have reworked the duel so that 
Obi-Wan either remembered Qui-Gon's words about Anakin being the chosen one and he had to take care of him, or Anakin, that's the moment when Anakin can successfully commune with Qui-Gon that we've been waiting for the whole series. And he tells him he can't kill Anakin because obviously he can't kill Anakin because there's movies in the future. But he did say <laughs> right before that, that, that one way or another, we're going to end this. And I get they were kind of going for this whole thing where, you know, once Anakin says that I didn't kill, you didn't kill Anakin, I Skywalker, I did, that he's like, my friend is dead, so he leaves. But no, because you got to kill this evil bad guy in front of you then. And it didn't work. Uh, the rest of the episode was great, but that was a problem. And there was a very easy way to fix it. And they should have brought Qui-Gon back at that moment. If they couldn't bring him back at that moment because they had some other reason about how Anakin or Obi-Wan wasn't ready in his quest to commune still, they could have had him remember the words because then it would have explained why he didn't kill Anakin because he was doing it as a favor to Qui-Gon. In fact, that would have worked even better because he was remembering it and then he's like opening his heart up. So later when he sees Qui-Gon, that's the moment he unblocks his himself if you will right so that would have been much more awesome but uh you know i liked it otherwise it was it was good i'm not a hater on it at all but what is really awesome is star trek strange new worlds we watched the finale two nights ago and it is a great season it's a great show it's the best star trek in ages probably since d space nine and I'm very happy with it, and I'm very excited for another season. There was one little surprise in this season that I was not into this last episode, but uh, by and large, yeah, super solid. Super solid. Um, what else were we watching? Oh, we're still watching Ms. Marvel, which is fine. Uh, it's not growing on me more, and it's like got plot problems, but uh, I really liked what they did with the partition between India and Pakistan. I saw a tweet somewhere where somebody was like, I just learned more about the partition than I ever did in school. And I was like, yep, that's, <laughs> I learned about it from Gandhi, but you know, same thing. So, I mean, props to Disney for that. That is huge. It's really, really great that they're doing this. And, um, I do like a lot about it. I love the cast by and large. I don't like the VFX super much. I like the weird editing and, and stuff and the graphics and things. I love the titles. Um, the plot's just a little confusing with it's not so much their fault as the MCUs right now. We got we got universes, we got dimensions, we got planes. Is the newer dimension the same sort of thing as you know Wakanda's dimension afterlife? Are dimensions in afterlife the same? Like we just saw with uh, in in Moon Knight. I don't know. It's super confusing. There's too many different things. They're never explaining it, and I don't like it, and that bothers me. Um, finished Stranger Things. It was fine. It was fine. You know, I already did a whole thing about like how Stranger Things has a problem with the '80s and whether it's homage, homaging the '80s or '80s films, and how they're two different things. And that did continue. There was no redemption for the jock, and the jock was annoying all the way through and did not need to be there. And he bothered me a lot. He was bad. He was a cliche hollowed jock. Bullying is real. People are crazy, but you know, they, they gave him no complexity. Same with the girl bullying California. So that was annoying. Um, Vecna's cool. The ending was dumb. The, I actually really enjoyed the Siberia part, even though their depiction of Gnome was a total joke. Don't get me started on Gnome and aviation. Am I right? My father grew up in Gnome aviation. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you cannot fly to Russia from Gnome. You just can't. You couldn't in the 80s. Uh, 
anyway, I did enjoy that whole part. But, you know, there's too many moving pieces. There's like six or seven storylines at one point. I'm just like, God, it's too many people, man. And it's the same thing. We also watched the Umbrella Academy. And the same thing, too many moving pieces. At least in the Umbrella Academy, they slowly killed a bunch of them off. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. The Umbrella Academy suffered because so many of the characters are heavily unlikable. But I did enjoy the overall plot. And I am curious to see what happens going forward. And then I also watched The Boys. Uh, the first half of the season was perfect. And it was terrifying and creepy. And like it's such an amazing indictment of America. And very, very upsetting. And watching that when Roe v. Wade fell was really, really hard. Uh, the last episode, the ending, the... the what do you call those things? Climaxes? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> finale. The finale I didn't really enjoy that much. Um, they've had good finales historically, and this one did not live up to the other finales. But all, by and large, it's solid, a solid season. Just so disturbing. So uncomfortable. That show is too real, man. I mean, you know, it's about superheroes, but it's still just too real. God. Uh, and then we watched God fa God's Favorite Idiot, uh, Melissa McCartney and her husband is a half hour s sitcom about a war in heaven and uh, actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was really funny. They've made some bad movies together, her and her husband, not going to lie, but this is uh, better than those bad movies. And I also, I kind of enjoyed those bad movies. So, you know, God's Favorite Idiot, not too bad. Uh, and that is it for television. Jeez. I got a sniffle. Hold, please. Only watched three movies in the last two weeks. I watched uh, Step Brothers, the, <laughs> the comedy. Uh, I had never seen it. Emma had never seen it. Uh, somebody told Emma it was really funny, so we watched it, and it was really funny. Very enjoyable film. Uh, then I watched the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future, with Viggo Mortensen and uh, Kristen Stewart. And it was creepy and weird and kind of went nowhere, but I was kind of okay with it going nowhere. It was very, very David Cronenberg, and I enjoyed it very much. And I think Howard Shore did the score, and the score was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. It got middling reviews, and I can see why, because it's kind of boring simultaneously while being creepy. Uh, but it is, I, I thought it was great. Uh, then I watched that Limelight's documentary, which actually is a good segue because I also read The Club King, My Rise, Reign, and Fall in New York Nightlife by Peter Gation. Peter Gation was the founder of the Nightlight, or I'm sorry, of the Limelight. And at one point he owned the Limelight, the Palladium, the Tunnel, and Club USA all at the same time. He started as a club bar owner in Ontario, Canada, and then he moved to Miami and successfully launched a club there. Then he launched the first Limelight in Atlanta. Then he moved to New York and he opened the Limelight. Then he opened a limelight in London and Chicago that were both doing very well, but he decided New York was his home and it was too stressful to be traveling all the time. So he sold those off and he opened Palladium Tunnel and Club USA. And then he was railroaded by Giuliani and drug hysteria. And they tried him and tried to put him away in jail for 20 years for being a drug runner, even though the first thing the prosecution said in the trial was that they could not in any way prove that Peter Gation ever profited off of drugs because he didn't. And uh, he won the trial and he was acquitted, but then they got him on taxes and he very small amount on taxes, less than 1% of his payroll was paid in cash and he did not pay taxes on that. So he settled that, paid it and paid the fine, did 60 days in jail for it. They pled and that ended up being a mistake because after 9-11, they changed the laws and they made it so they could deport you. He was Canadian, never got citizenship, even though he owned these four clubs, employed a thousand people, had, was married, had three kids. 
they deported him for a crime he had committed two years previously because they still had it out for him to close the limelight and tunnel, especially because tunnel was like the preeminent hip hop night in New York and surprise everybody in the government is racist. So that was totally lame and he got totally railroaded and he's been living in Toronto ever since. And he had to sell the night limelight. Luckily for him, he owned all the property under his clubs. So, you know, he did okay. He also produced a Bronx tale with Chaz Palminteri because Chaz Palminteri was a bar back at limelight. So he decided to produce him and he did does all right from that. And, um, so, you know, they, they took a lot of his money. It cost him more than $20 million to defend himself in court. And yeah, it was very fascinating. I loved limelight. I didn't go a lot. I went maybe 10 times and for shows and for club nights. And it was just so awesome. And I'm very angry. It doesn't exist anymore. And it's just a stupid mall now. That makes me very mad. And uh, anyway, Peter Gation seems like a nice guy. He was a very, very responsible club owner. He owned them all solo outright. Didn't have partners. Mostly owned the owned the land under them. It's crazy. It's crazy. He was a very, very talented entrepreneur. And he got railroaded. This book was published by Amazon's publishing imprint and they had optioned it for a movie and they had started production and they had attached a screenwriter and director in 2019, right before the pandemic. But I haven't heard anything about it since, but it would make a great movie with the fighting that the, the government on the court case that, you know, uh, there's already been one movie party monster starring Kieran Culkin as Michael Alleg, a limelight club goer that and promoter that, killed a man and uh, was one of the state's witnesses against Peter Gation, except he eventually admitted that Peter Gation didn't bring any laws. <laughs> so the first three witnesses against uh, Peter Gation that the feds had all left the case and turned against the feds and said that Peter was innocent. And they revised the indictment nine times and uh, just totally blew the case because they were wrong and uh rudy giuliani was terrible even then anyway very interesting book uh before that i finished up freedom's laboratory the cold war struggle for the soul of science by audra j wolf which is a very interesting book i bought it because i had read vaniver bush's autobiography the you know uh famed american scientist that <sighs> Started the National Science Foundation, oversaw Manhattan Project, uh, invented the proximity fuse for bombers, all sorts of things. Anyway, he, um, you know, very intricately and tied into the military industrial complex and the federal government funding science in the U.S. And this was kind of related. I thought it'd be more related, but it's actually a slightly different sort of premise, which is that the entire the very concept of scientific freedom and that a scientist should be able to study what they want and publish what they want was a CIA propaganda <laughs> campaign <laughs> and it's actually very convincing there was this um movement in russia uh called Lesitovskyism or something like that levitovsky um anyway where like uh, science was captured by the government and you could only study certain things and they had this like sort of magical reality version of genomics that was just not true and uh so the cia was like we're gonna we're the cool people that let you publish what you want and the government doesn't say what your science is 
And that's the way it should be in democracies. And it's sort of the history of those scientific exchanges between the countries and the National Science Foundation and how it was related to, or the National Academy of Science and how it was related to Cold War propaganda and all this stuff. And it was very interesting. And I actually kind of buy that premise. Um, yeah, I never really thought about it like that before. Scientific freedom, Cold War PSYOP campaign. <laughs> and now I'm reading Katie Turr's autobiography, Rough Draft, a memoir, but we will talk about that next week. All right. Well, good talking to you. Sorry, I'm a little low energy. That uh, pint-sized gin and tonic I had last night kind of did me in. Drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. Say hi, and I will talk to you guys in two weeks. I am looking forward to it. Bye.